Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this season, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on every single goddamn page in a trio of adventure modules for TSR's Marvel Super Heroes RPG, starting with Adventure MT1, All This and World War II. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. All This and World War II was written by Ray Winninger and published in 1989 by TSR. Today we're discussing page 37 of All This and World War II. This page contains the thrilling conclusion of chapter 15, a chapter so thrilling we didn't even talk about its thrilling beginning last page. The thing is, it's one of two paths you can take to Hitler's secret bunker, and last page we were much too busy with the other path to Hitler's bunker for playthroughs when our heroes decide to uh, sneak right up to the front door of the bunker through the woods, and then maybe make a diversion or try some stealth or whatever, but then finally leap out, take down 10 Nazis, storm the bunker, and then immediately fall victim to utmost bullshit in the very first hallway, uh, getting trapped by two huge slabs of steel as hard as three feet of solid diamond, uh, and then get knocked out by some kind of absurdly powerful knockout gas. Shift X knockout gas, which is a weird thing to invest your R&D budget in because it doesn't even kill you. But you do you, Nazi science. Like, I guess if you wanted to draw a penis on the Hulk's forehead while he's asleep, maybe this knockout gas would be good for that. Uh, It is strong enough to knock out the Hulk, and then he would have a nice little nap and then wake up. Probably he would be Bruce Banner by that point. But then when he looked in the mirror, (laughs) the more I think about it, actually, this is a pretty good prank. Because Bruce Banner would wake up, you know, in the ripped pants as usual and be like, where am I? What happened? And then look in the mirror and and see the penis on his forehead and then Hulk the fuck out. And then there would be a rampage and the Hulk would be on the news with a um, Sharpie penis on his forehead. He'd probably have a lot of news analysts speculating, trying to reconstruct events. Seems like fun. I'm not saying don't draw a penis on Hulk's forehead. I'm not saying don't develop Shift X power knockout gas. All I'm saying is this particular trap was bullshit in this context. And that took up so much of our time yesterday that we didn't even talk about another option for approaching the bunker on any given playthrough. Fortunately, we're following multiple teams through this adventure so that we can examine different paths through it. Last time we talked about two of the secret Zoomers, Troopa and Slime Time, teaming up with fellow teen heroes Bucky and Toro to make a frontal assault on the bunker. Today in Chapter 15, we'll discuss a parallel reality in which two members of the Misfits, let's say Dr. Advika Ja and Glass Cannon, she's a sort of living prism superhero, both of them can see in the dark, which is why I chose them for this overland stealth mission. Uh, Let's discuss the two of them coming here with two members of the invaders. And in this scenario, our four heroes decide not to make a frontal assault on the bunker. They opt for the only other logical tactical possibility, hiking to a nearby fishing village, stealing fishing boats, using the fishing boats to sail around the bunker, climbing up a hill and attacking it from behind. As I did with uh, the secret zoomers, I'm going to roll randomly for which invaders they get paired with, since in a real playthrough, this would be the GM's decision. That's Namor and Union Jack. So the geneticist Dr. Advika Ja, Glass Cannon, Namor, and Union Jack all decide to take the sea route to Hitler's secret bunker. I say all of them decide this. I feel like this decision has Namor's soggy fingerprints all over it. He's just looking for a reason to get in the water. Like, this has all the hallmarks of one of those situations where, like, somebody wants you to stop by the In-N-Out on your way to your destination, even though the In-N-Out is not on your way to your destination. Namor's like, well, the bunker, it's straight ahead, up the hill. And we could go straight ahead, but hear me out. What if we went a mile out of our way, stole boats, and got on the water, then went back to the bunker? 
So anyway, that's what they did. And here we are, chapter 15, entitled Two If By C. And despite my personal misgivings in previous episodes about taking on the additional complication of invading a fishing village as part of this mission, it turns out to be very straightforward. Quote, the fishing village is about a mile away from the bunker. The heroes can easily move into the village completely undetected and capture fishing boats moored in the village's small harbor, if they so desire. After the heroes begin their approach to the rear of the bunker, either by using the boats, swimming, or flying if they are capable, read the following text, and then you get some real loud text. Quote, As you approach the rear of the bunker with only the moonlight to guide you, you catch a glimpse of five Nazi guards posted at the rear entrance. The bunker itself sits atop a steep hill, approximately 50 feet over the shore. So there's no stealth roll to get through the fishing village, no chance that you'll be apprehended. There's no difficulty with stealing the boats. There's no difficulty sailing the boats. The author is not interested in possible complications arising from this fishing village. Whatever you sneak in, whatever you take the boats, okay. Not much cost to taking this extra step and not much reward. Instead of making typical intensity agility feats to sneak up from this direction, the heroes only have to make poor intensity agility feats. Uh, they're able to get within 10 feet of the guards before they attack, rather than 50 feet if they do things the forest way. And there are only five Nazi guards at the rear of the bunker, as opposed to 10 in the front. So this is a substantially easier fight, but it was already an easy fight. You just roll all the same shit, only the difficulty is lower. So what happens once you take down these five Nazis? And only these five Nazis. It's Nazi Union rules. You can only defend your side of the bunker. Quote, Once the heroes have defeated the Nazi guards, they can move into the bunker. As above, the invaders will insist that the party enter as a whole. Remember from last page, the invaders on the team, in this case Namor and Union Jack, will not allow the two members of the Misfits to engage in any plan where the team splits up, or posts a guard, or sends a scout, or anything. We all have to go in, in a little clump, and walk down the hallway together. Why? Well, so that we can read the following read-aloud text, which you may recognize. Quote, Inside Hitler's bunker, you find a long corridor that stretches off into semi-lit darkness. All of a sudden, you hear a loud thud behind you. Half a second later, there is a similar thud in front. Huge steel slabs have just sealed you off in the corridor. Suddenly, your newfound prison is filled with a horrible, raspy voice, a voice which the invaders instantly recognize as that of the Red Skull himself. Sleep tight, my friends. You still have a long evening ahead of you. You can barely hear a sharp hiss cutting out over the sound of the Red Skull's laughter. The very same box text. Now you may ask yourself, if you are untutored in the subtle art of GMing, isn't this the same trap that our heroes would have sprung if they'd entered the front of the bunker? It's weird that the same trap, with the knockout gas and the steel slabs and everything, and Red Skull operating it, are in the back of the bunker and the front of the bunker? No, it's not odd at all. This trap is the next thing that's going to happen in the plot, so it doesn't matter where you are. Like, if the heroes decide, you know, this fishing village looks pretty nice, these peaceful villagers, they look very content, they look very well-rested, they look very innocent. I mean, we've had no trouble sneaking around in here, because these people live in total serenity. They're not even conscious of the possibility of superheroes stalking among them in the night, stealing their boats. What a peaceful life. Fuck being a superhero. Fuck my life in the present. Fuck the allies, fuck the axis. I'm quitting superheroing, and I'm going to get a fishing boat, legally, and I'm going to go out fishing for a living. If that's what your heroes decide, as soon as they head down to the village market to buy some nice thick coats and fisherman hats, maybe a pipe, they will enter the small market village, and then the GM will read, Inside the small fishing village, you find a long corridor that stretches off into semi-lit darkness, and so on and so forth. It doesn't matter what they do, all roads lead to knockout gas in this adventure. I feel like I've complained about that enough that it can't be the dumbest thing in this page too. 
So let me make a related complaint today. It's the dumbest thing on this page. Granted, it's a short chapter, but between the illustration on this page of our heroes freaking the fuck out in a cloud of knockout gas and the little bit of chapter 15 we got on the previous page and a little bit of white space on this page, chapter 15 ends up taking at least one full page. And it is, I remind you, one of only like three places in this adventure where there is actually an option about what route to take through the story. So this is valuable real estate here. This is an extremely rare chance for meaningful player agency, a place where you can make a choice about your experience of the adventure, and a place where the author can provide a little bit of extra entertainment value and a little bit of extra structural value to make this story work for a wide variety of players and playstyles and player characters. And what we find occupying this valuable real estate is this totally left-field option. Like, in how many playthroughs, really, does your team embark on, like, Operation Sea Shanty and go invade the fishing village? Why would you possibly do this? Like, Namor is here, and he wants to visit the water, and I get that. You could let him run over there and dip his little toes and then come back. We don't need to steal these poor people's boats. It's a pointless exercise for minor tactical advantage, provides no real variety in the play experience. It's just the same shit. It's just sneaking around, except instead of sneaking through the woods, you're sneaking past a bunch of deep-sleeping fishermen who might as well be trees, for all that they give a fuck about people just wandering around in their midst all hours of the day and night. And granted, you get to get on a boat, that seems like a different play experience, but it's not like you fight somebody on the boat. It's not like there's a sea serpent out there. It's not like there's a water-themed super Nazi who jumps up to fight you in like a secret boss battle. The GM describes for like five seconds that you're on a boat, and then you climb a hill, and it's exactly the same thing. This is already a waste of space, but I want you to consider what other plans might the player characters come up with other than Operation Frontal Assault and Operation Sea Shanty. First of all, I gave a little bit of thought to the West Coast Avengers, right? Based on the West Coast Avengers, who are the default characters for this scenario, what are some other things the player characters might try? Well, Scarlet Witch, dealing with an underground structure here, could easily use her powers to attempt to create a cave-in, either to force an emergency evacuation, force everybody to run out, and then the heroes pick them off when they escape, or to open a brand new entrance to the bunker that isn't guarded by Nazis, right? Have a ceiling collapse in the bunker so that there's an opening to the surface. Again, keep in mind that even if the entire bunker is made out of secret Nazi bullshit steel uh, that is of Shift X material strength, even then, Scarlet Witch is actually capable of hexing that shit until it falls apart. So she can definitely do this. So Operation Cave-In, that's one possibility. Uh, the Human Torch and Toro from the Invaders, right? People need to breathe. Torch and Toro could just fill the bunker with smoke, smoke everybody out, cause a lot of chaos inside, force an evacuation, and if they're teamed up with somebody who doesn't need to breathe, like Wonder Man, then that person could run around freely in the smoke and do whatever needs to be done to all these Nazis who are blind and choking and trying to get out. So that's another one. Operation Smoked Ubermensch. Smoke out the Nazis. As I mentioned in the previous chapter, vision can just turn intangible. If you're going to go around the waterside, rather than climbing all the way up the hill and fighting five Nazis, why not walk into the hill, then go up directly into the bunker and fight zero Nazis? Ghost around in there, see what you need to see, and then when you find the superweapon and or Hitler materialize your android hand, and wreck it ghost style. A third option, Operation The Haunting of Heil House. Three options, just the default characters who are in this book. And that's not even to mention the vast array of other characters. We mentioned that Iron Man could be on this team. He's a West Coast Avenger. Uh, Hank Pym, if he's on the team, he could shrink everybody down. They could sneak past the Nazis while shrunk, and they could either sneak into the hallway or they could come into the ventilation system. Let's hear the GM steer that shit back to the box text. They're so smart. Uh, let's see. Inside Hitler's bunkers, air vent, 
you find a long corridor that stretches off into semi-lit darkness. All of a sudden, you hear a loud thud behind you. Half a second later, there's a similar thud in front. Huge steel slabs have completely blocked the bunker's ventilation. Shit. And it's not just the West Coast Avengers, either. Uh, what about our example heroes? What about the Misfits? Advika Ja, Glass Cannon, Union Jack, and Namor. They could decide on Operation Sea Shanty, but what if they don't? What if Glass Cannon has a high-tech modern-day Nalgene bottle of water on her and just splashes it on Namor, and he's like, I'm good. No need to get on a boat for no goddamn reason. Let's just go storm the bunker. What then? What options would they have? Dr. Advika Ja, who has these um, psi stimulator devices that can give people psychic powers, mainly herself, she has a little gadget called a mental projection unit that allows her to use astral projection. Once again, a real test for the nimble railroading GM. Explain to me why Union Jack objects to me going into a trance and sending an immaterial ghost form of myself. They can't touch or mess with anything into the bunker to find the super weapon rather than blindly running in and getting punked out by the knockout trap. It makes all the sense in the world to go in an astral form. I don't see that there's shit that the Nazis can do about it, and I don't see how the invaders could or would want to stop me from doing that. If you astrally project in there, you're even more invulnerable and invisible than Vision would be, and there's no risk to the invaders of you interfering with anything. Using the astral plane like this is the best plan yet. Operation Plane Plan. By far the best approach so far. Also, we've got two heroes here who can see in the dark, and Glass Cannon, as part of her living prism power package, can bring down the light level around her by 10 points so she can make it dark and she and Advika can see in the dark. How is Red Skull going to know when to activate his bullshit Nazi magic steel knockout gas trap if he can't see where we are? This plan bumps up against a problem that we're going to have with a lot of different possible player character approaches, which is that in many cases it's going to be impossible for the judge to keep the player characters out of this fucking bunker. Like, you can maybe do something to them once they're in there, but you cannot force them to enter by the two clearly marked identical hallways that you've set up. Superpowers are just too varied, both among the default characters and among, like, the original characters you can theoretically play in this adventure. It is just impossible to keep the player characters from thinking of some way to get into this bunker and look around a little bit, no matter how much you have the invaders whine and complain about it. So this page could have been used to offer... At, at a bare minimum, a different bullshit trap that can be sprung on like a scouting player character to trap them once they're already inside, maybe followed by Red Skull, you know, getting on the big Nazi PA system and telling the other heroes hiding out in the woods or on the hillside or in their fishing boats or whatever. I have captured your companion, the robot ghost. You sent a robot ghost in here. What the fuck, man? Anyway, we have him and we will destroy him if you do not surrender yourselves. And then they would have no choice because uh, their robot ghost buddy slash husband is trapped in the bunker. I don't know what bullshit trap you use to catch Vision while he's intangible, but spoilers, we are about to be introduced to a super weapon that's already canonically in the bunker in Red Skull's possession that he's dying to use. So maybe that could play some part here. The point is space was limited. There's only a two part branch here. There are only two different ways to approach the bunker that this book could address. And the dumbest thing on this page is that unforgivably, the author has elected to address direct assault, good, perfect, always a popular player character option, and Operation Fucking Sea Shanty, which I would be shocked if any player group has ever independently thought of, and is not meaningfully different from the other branch. Literally, it is just sneaking up the other side of the hill, by way of a fishing village where nothing happens and no rolls are made. Anyway, like it or not, there are only two ways to get to this bunker, and both of them contain the same bullshit trap. 
Join me next time when these two exciting paths into bullshit knockout gas converge on Chapter 16, Red Skull Duggery, on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact the show however you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Podbean, Gmail, Instagram, etc., etc. This episode's theme music is Robinson's Grand Entry March, performed by the United States Air Force Concert Band. Thanks for listening.